Welcome to the Giggles Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creatives from the tri-state area who are young visionaries and who contribute to their craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host, Remy Leibovic, speaks with Brandon Essick, a local drummer and actor who shares his past, his present, and what he hopes for in the future. You can find us at our social media pages at gigglespodcastblog.wordpress.com and on our Instagram page, Podcast. Enjoy. All right. All right, everybody. Welcome to Gigglist, the podcast that was created because, well, everybody lost their gigs. Uh. Today, <laughs> today we have, as our guest, Brandon Essig. Am I saying it correct? Essig? Essig, I guess, like, the it's on the first syllable. It's That's fine. You've okay, got closer well, than a lot of other people do. I get Isaac Essig, uh, Essig, uh, every so Essig often. Boy? Come on. <laughs> Easy boy? I love Easy that. boy. <laughs> That's right. You know, when I was a kid, that was before e-cigs were even a thing. And now, more often than not, I get, Are you, is your last name pronounced e-cig? I'm like, nope, but good try, though. I guess that's an easy reference point. But anyway, I'm uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So... The point of Gigless is to create is to create a space for creatives that have lost their gigs and just to, you know, keep the sense of community going and especially to highlight the fact that while we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19, COVID mm-hmm. I want to say that everybody who has, you know, provided entertainments, like everybody thought that the arts was always the arts, but it's not the arts, it's um, you know, everything from TV shows to local bands to just the whole spectrum of media itself has been impacted. And now that everybody's stuck at home, it's like, where are the entertainers? They're stuck at home, too. So yeah. that's what get, this is what this podcast has come from. So my first question, so we're going to ask Brandon some questions today. And one of them is, what made you get into music and performance? Because I know that you dabble in acting i know that you're a tour guide and i know that you do uh a couple bands that's right um i well i started playing uh drums when i was eight years old um i joined the like elementary school orchestra which i mean i i I use orchestra uh lightly because you know a bunch of bunch of kids struggling to play instruments we i wasn't very good at the time um but you know after after another about a year or so i started taking uh lessons the drum sets um and then i guess i was about 13 years old i really started to like take practicing seriously i started practicing every single day listening to more and more music and trying to up my game and um and yeah, throughout high school, even as I started to get better and better, I still wasn't super confident in my abilities. So um, I kind of took a left turn and started acting, um, started um, appearing in like school plays and musicals. I started to sing um, regularly uh, every day, joined the choir, all that good stuff. Um, and then I ended up uh, going to college for acting as my major, but, um, I, I continued to take voice lessons all four years, continued to take drum lessons with the head of the music school, um, joined their bucket drum ensemble. So I still had a, you know, a foot in, 
in the music world, the other foot in the acting world. Can you tell uh, the audience where you went to school? Of course. I went to school at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, um, which was, I was right in the center of the city. So you know, I made great friends, kind of in the music school, in the acting school. It was a great vibe, great environment for creativity. Yes, I've been to that school. Uh, when I was at school, I went to Rutgers Camden, which is right next to Philadelphia. So I would go into Philadelphia all the time. Yeah. And there was a couple events that the AIGA did in partnership with UARTS. And it was just very interesting to see all the different schools that are down there. Like Temple's really big, mm-hmm. Univer- uh, Philly U, which is now an extension of Jefferson mm-hmm. and uh, Jefferson. And then on top of that, uh, who else am I missing? So I got UPenn. There's just so many different schools out there. And more College of Art is also a big one mm-hmm. for art. But yeah. So what's your usual gig like? Uh, well, um, as you mentioned uh, before, I didn't even I didn't even get into the bands that I'm in. Um, I'm in uh, I'm in a band that operates mostly out of the Brooklyn area um, called the Permanent Revolution. And our gigs usually, I mean, prepping for that, we'll have four or five rehearsals. I mean, our songs are kind of short and punky and to the point. So they're not super complex, so those tend to go pretty quick. Um, gigs are usually a lot of fun with them. Um, with Eels of Love, my other band, Jersey-based, uh, similar kind of a thing. We're always rehearsing and writing and getting ready for our gigs. We had one planned for a couple of weeks from now that is, of course, no longer happening. Um, and outside of that, um, I've also, I also t- gig around every so often as a drummer for musical theater productions um, as part of their pit. Um, and those um, are, you know, I guess depending on the theater, depending on the music director, the director, um, it's usually a pretty smooth process. You know, musicians come in a couple weeks before, you know, I guess I, it, it sounds like a smaller amount of time, but a couple weeks before opening, um, rehearsing with the cast, doing our run throughs, the, the sits probe where we just take that whole day doing orchestral stuff. Um, I find it to be a very kind of rewarding, relaxed kind of a process. Um, and outside of that, as far as being an actor and my gigging as an actor, um, I usually work out of New York as either background doing extra work or as a stand-in where, um, you know, the principal actors, you know, they need their stand-ins to be on camera first. They get the lighting tests and all that good stuff. And then, and then I walk out of frame. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty relaxing kind of way to make money. So that's, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to kind of blow your cover here, but weren't you one of the goons in the Joker? I was, yeah. You can see me in a couple of shots. You can see me um, waiting for the subway when everyone comes filing out. I'm like, oh, gosh. That you can't really the, recognize it. I got the clown makeup and the green wig on. But. Yeah, that's the thing that made me the happiest was knowing that you were employed during that movie because that thing was depressing as all hell. Yeah. <laughs> I just could like I was like wow this is like super super depressing I just couldn't I I just couldn't believe it and then the fact that you had that that was so impressive when Paul your bassist from Eels of Love let Mm. me know about that yeah so I don't know do you want to do you want to talk more about you said so which band came first and if you want to dive down it doesn't have to be the ones that you're currently in but what's something that you know, how did the path start? The, oh, the path just into like 
yeah the rock and roll world well um i mean so my i guess if we're gonna take this all the way back my father um is an audio engineer um and he's worked in the music industry for you know almost 40 years at this point um as a mixer um a mastering engineer Uh, most of his work is kind of post-production on any number of artists who work for atlantic records interscope all that good stuff now he's very important yeah he operates his, his own business um, now, uh, just kind of out of the home because everything's digital now. He can just kind of work from home. Um, but if, just kind of growing up with him and his love of music, um, kind of old school, like R&B, funk music, uh, even disco, he was, he was big into. My mother was kind of more of like a hippy-dippy folk uh, music fan. But um, from there, I mean, that instilled a really deep appreciation and love for music for me, um, just seeing how much they loved it and how it affected me growing up. Uh, after college, um, which I graduated in 2015, um, I started, you know, taking classes out of New York, most, mostly the acting and musical theater, um, sort. And a guy, one of the guys who I met in the, one of those acting classes, uh, a couple months after it was over, he basically wrote online. He was like, I wrote a bunch of songs looking to put together a band, anybody I know, is interested. And I wrote to him. I was like, yeah, I've been playing drums over, at that point over 15 years. You know, his response was great. He was like, hey, man, no shit. Let's get together. <laughs> I was like, awesome. So that was beginning of 2017. I've been a member of that band for about three years now. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's great that you could just like open out, like open yourself up to new opportunities and be able to just contact people. Because honestly, that's like, when, especially like people that are in high school, people that are in like their freshman year of college are always asking like, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you do it? Uh, I volunteered. Yeah. I went there. I did the thing. I reached out. I talked to people because yeah. especially in this industry, it's really about who you know. Exactly. And I want to apologize earlier if anyone heard my baby blue the back there barking. <laughs> a, a car drove by. <laughs> a car drove by. She must protect. <laughs> That's how she is. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, but to your point, I totally agree. It's all about putting yourself out there. You know, I mean, like people won't know what you're capable of doing unless you just kind of let them know, you know, being like, listen, because a person can talk themselves up all they want and be like, I'm the, I'm the guy who you need, you know, I'm the person who you need to work for you. But at the end of the day, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You know, if you, if you devote a lot of time and a lot of focus to a particular thing, um, people will take notice. And the, the more people you know, I mean, the, the better chance they'll have of recommending you to someone they know. And it's just like, it's very much, as you said, it's not, a, it's, it's about who you know, rather than what you know. Yeah. So, how have you built your portfolio? Oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. And with, with Eels of Love, um, I knew Paul, actually, um, our bass player again, um, from a production of a musical that I played drums for back in 2017. Um, what musical? And, uh, well, the musical was Hair, which is... <gasps> oh, my God. I met you back then. Yeah. I went to that show. I <laughs> went to that show. I went back in that show. That was in... Um, well, I want to say uh, Leonia. It was at yes. the Leonia Players Club. Leonia, yeah. I mm-hmm. Yeah, my brother and I went to go see that show. And that's great. 
and then that's, I guess, how you met Dane as well, right? Yes, and then Dane okay. invited Paul to the show because he said they were he was looking for a drummer, and Dane was like, "I know a guy." And then that was how I met Paul. I didn't follow up with him though for over a year, just because even at that point, I didn't think I was skilled enough as a drummer to take on Eels of Love music, which is pretty complicated, pretty hard hitting. Um, and I made that point clear to Paul. I was like, look, that's, it's just one of those things. I want to make sure I'm good enough for, for you guys. So there's an example of that right there. Who, you know, right. One guy knows a guy and then one thing leads to another. And yeah. And for context to those of you that are listening, Dane is my behind the scenes man. He's my co-producer. Mm-hmm. He is a musician that is talented himself and yeah, he's the one on the doing all the back end for Gigless. So Dan and I reached out to Brandon and here we are now. <laughs> <laughs> but so I know that so the importance of all these gigs, the importance of the you know, the performance culture, the art culture. Mm-hmm. I think that now, especially more than ever, people are going to start realizing that the arts do play such a crucial role in our daily lives. It's just that they're so behind the scenes or, or viewed as optional when really they help enrich our lives, which is if you want to look all the way back through history, who would have access to artists who would be able to sponsor artists like super rich, super rich people, because they believed that it was the enrichment of character. Mm -hmm. So little heart history out there for you guys it's very heartwarming i gotta say i mean it's especially in a time like you know in 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 a a time like the time we're in right now it's people are taking commissions you know obviously fine artists but the performers are the ones who are really hit you know they hit pretty hard by this kind of thing as i said one foot in the music world one foot in the acting world at least musicians get to kind of like have been live streaming. I've been seeing a lot of that over the past couple of weeks and that's been really great to see. Um, as far as actors though, I mean, like we gotta be on a set, you know, we gotta perform to either a theater full of people or, and now all of that has been halted indefinitely. A couple of weeks ago, right before all the shutdowns happened, I actually was scheduled to work on a movie um, in Poughkeepsie, I think on like a week and a half ago. And it was scheduled to go to film right up until day of. And they were like, no, we're not, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it definitely hit things in a very intense way in some, in a way that we wouldn't usually think that it would. Nope. Um, nope. I know that a couple of my friends to go back to Philadelphia, I know that all the theaters in Philly have closed. And when a couple of my classmates were making those announcements, cause they worked for them, mm-hmm. it was, it was very hard for them to understand that. Uh, like to really, cause it's one thing in this whole thing to say like, okay, it's for the good of the common people that we like for the public that we shut these things down. But then it's an, it's completely another thing to say, like, uh, my gig's gone. The yeah. art has stopped. So yeah, well, not stopped, but it's just, it's just evolution. We're, we're taking it onto the digital media space, you know, All we're right. podcasting, we're broadcasting, we're seeing how we can adapt because that's what we humans do. We adapt. Yeah. And as, as far as something like this is, you know, I mean, this is totally unprecedented. I even talked about this with my parents a couple days ago. I was like, 
listen, guys, is, is something like this totally, you've never seen anything like this on this level before? They're like, no, absolutely not. This is, this is something that we're all, it's a cliche to say at this point, but we are all in this together in, in, in a sense. You know? Absolutely. And I think that, so to go on back to, because we're switching back and forth between the lighter yeah, notes and the negative I notes. ramble. I tend to ramble. I apologize. <laughs> same, same. So get ready for a lot of rambling. I, I'm a rambling man. <laughs> but um, I wanted to say, so you're so well-versed, like academically and musically and just have so much experience. I just, what is, so what was your favorite production in the sense of challenge and how you grew as, you know, a a creative, because I feel that all creatives, we all get to one point, like one project, one gig, one show, one production, something that we evolve. Mm -hmm. What do you think was yours? Well, uh, I, I can say at least as far as drumming and music is concerned more, more so than acting, I think, um, I've always looked at drumming as more of a physical rather than a mental skill. I mean, you, you are kind of, you, you are utilizing all four of your limbs kind of at the same time. And that does take a, a lot of brain power, but I think in the end it does take more physical work, especially with a band like Eels of Love, which is kind of like this progressive rock metal band where you are kind of always trying to push yourself to a new level physically. Um, I think that since joining, uh, which was, it's been about a year and a half now, um, I've been more open to kind of teaching myself new techniques, uh, as far as what, you know, the drum work and limb independence and stuff like that. It's all very kind of clinical and boring stuff. People who don't play drums, but I promise it is very much a, um, it's a constant learning experience. I, I think that since Joining Eels of Love in particular, I've been able to push myself to kind of flashier playing, more creative playing. With Permanent Revolution, it's almost it's almost the opposite. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not being creative, but it is about kind of toning it, like reining in the technicality and, and trying to serve the song a little bit more. So that one kind of works the other end of that spectrum out. Um, and as far as a production I've been involved in, um, I actually played in a production of Pippin about six months ago at um, a theater in Oradell. Um, and that one, I added a lot of different pieces to my drum set, including woodblock, triangle, chimes, all that good stuff. And being able to finally work with stuff like that as a percussionist instead of just a drummer, I think that that also... Um, it kind of helped with my sense of nuance and sense mm-hmm. of um, being able to, to and texture a little bit, kind of adding more texture to a piece of music. I think so, that's really helpful. Yeah. So to someone who is an artist, who is strictly an artist, mm-hmm. so can you go into a little bit of depth of just little definitions of what a wood block is, what those enhancements to your drum set, like you said that they're extra textures so Mm -hmm. how could you translate that to someone who isn't a musician (laughs) sure sure um well so yeah i mean the pieces like that including yeah woodblock which is literally just rectangular piece with a kind of a hollowed out inside you hit it it makes a big bright kind of wooden sound like a big um triangle we've got a nice little to it again it's it's almost like it's almost like a meme i feel like but 
<laughs> being able to add it in to a song or to a piece of music and just give it that little bit more of, as I said before, texture. I, I think that in any, for any artist in any medium, in any art form, I think that having a la- kind of adding in layers, adding in more detail here and there, I think that it makes a world of difference to anybody who is purchasing your work, viewing it, listening to it, whatever it is. Um, and, and, and I think that being able to, to look at it from the perspective of I'm always learning, I'm always trying to add more to my arsenal, more to my repertoire to be able to pull out and utilize. Um, mm-hmm. I think that being able to do that is, um, as, as I get older, I find that to be more and more important, more and more valid. It's not always about trying to impress people right out of the gate. Sometimes it is just about creating something that people don't always expect and kind of trying to keep them on their toes a little bit. Yeah, no, a lot of good things can come out of experimenting. Like you'll fail a lot, but when you succeed, it's great. Right. And and it's like I always say to my uh, students, because I work as a drum teacher, too, um, I, I think, you know, you have to be bad before you get good. There There is no other way. to to kind of get to the point that you want to be at. And it took until, like I said before, I was about 13 before I really kind of realized that and said, all right, you know what? I'm not at the level I want to be at and I know what I want to be at. So I'm just going to work at it every day until I get there. And it's just been, it's been a lot easier since then. Absolutely. And so we're getting close to our time limit here. Of course. Uh, I want to say like, so you can leave off our audience with who's a mentor or idol that you want to share with people that you think as a musician and an actor mm-hmm. would really help people in just have that knowledge of this person. Okay. Any advice from that person? Um, yeah. You know what? I would, uh, I would recommend as an idol, this guy's not even a, a drummer, but he is a musician. He is uh, occasionally an actor. And as a musician in particular, I feel like he's always pushing himself to, to try new things and experiment. Is <laughs> Mike Patton, um, the vocalist, songwriter, uh, composer behind bands like Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, uh, Tomahawk, so many things. Guy's a workaholic. He's been doing it for 30 years now, over 30 years. Um, and any, especially since we've been locked in our houses for the past week or so, um, I find myself always going back to one of his projects or discovering a new one that I have not recognized yet being like, wow, this guy really, really is always stretching himself, always pushing himself, always working to try to create something new. And I think that that is, um, a very rare thing to find. So that he inspires me truly like that. Awesome. So that's great to hear. And I think that, you know, by inviting other people into this conversation and sharing with others, that's how Gigless is really going to help enhance. So when, so how can people find you? Well, <laughs> and you can follow find, you and you listen can, to your music. <laughs> you can, uh, you can uh, find me on my website, which is just www.brandonessig.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at at Bressig Anden. So I just swapped the first two letters of my first name, followed by my last name, followed by the rest of my first name. Um, and is there anywhere else? Oh, yeah. Of course, on YouTube, you can find um, any of my drum videos, including uh, lessons, 
covers, all that good stuff on my uh, YouTube, which I think if you just YouTube my name, you'll, you'll, you'll see the channel pop up. Okay, great. And we're going to put all that all that good link stuff in the show notes, which <laughs> we have on our website, which I need to still create. <laughs> but I'm still going to build it because that's what I do in my time. <laughs> I can build things fast. So thank you so much, Brandon. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was a, this was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media pages on Instagram at Gigglist Podcast and our website, gigglistpodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artists, contact the hosts and producers, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.